Hey, welcome back, Vandal fans. As you can probably tell, there's no band to lead us in on this one. This one is hard to bring to you guys. My my laptop broke. We've had some technical difficulties. That's why it's not coming out on Thursday. But hopefully it's out in time for you guys to enjoy it on your drive to the Palouse this weekend for homecoming or college game day. We're really excited to bring it to you. There is no editing in this one. There is a swear word at one point said. So don't watch it with children if you don't like them hearing swear words. So view this as kind of a weird behind-the-scene look at Tubbs at the Club with an episode that has no editing and no sound effects. Anyways, I'll let TJ take it from here. This is his week. He made the outline, and I think we had some good conversations, so enjoy. Welcome back, Tribe from the North, Brave and Bold, to the official, unofficial podcast of your Idaho Vandals. I am your host, TJ, and with me, as always, I have Chris. What's going on? You can find us. You can find Tubbs of the Club on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, and of course, TubbsoftheClub.com. Just a quick reminder: all comments and opinions are owned by the individual and do not represent Tubbs of the Club at the whole. Chris, we are here. It is officially homecoming weekend, Woo-hoo. week eight of the season for the Idaho Vandals. Um, it's a very big week. Um, it's good to have you back from your uh, jaunt over to Bozeman this weekend. Yeah, it's good to be back. Um, Bozeman's a fun town, though. We're pretty excited to uh, hear the stories that come from that. Um, but before we get to football, we'll start with our uh, opening segment of Reading Around the Argonaut. My favorite segment. Uh, soccer last week um, ended up with two wins. Uh, first win, uh, 1-0 in overtime, getting the goal against Idaho State. Uh, redeeming us against the Bengals, and then later in the week, uh, 2-0 versus Weber State. Uh, this week, they play Friday at Southern Utah, their way for homecoming, and then Sunday at Northern Arizona. Volleyball last week, also coming up with two big wins, uh, um, beating Montana State uh, in three sets to one, and then at Montana, three sets to zero. This week, um, today, as we're recording right now, they are playing Eastern and then Friday at home against Northern Colorado. So if you're in town uh, early enough for the football game, you should definitely check out the volleyball team on Friday night. Uh, Women's golf last week uh, on a break, uh, but this week they have the pleasure of going down and playing at UNLV in the Las Vegas Collegiate Showdown. And uh, that is in Boulder City, but I'm sure that's a beautiful course. If you look up Boulder City, it's <laughs> how close to the I'm just going to go with at UNLV. That sounds a lot better. <laughs> and then um, men's golf um, right now is playing at a tournament in uh, at California School of Sun. Is that what they call it? Heck, man, I don't yeah. know in California. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that's what we got this week for reading around the Argonaut. As far as football this week, we had quite the game in Bozeman. We do have news for football. Okay, go ahead. Take Heading it breaking news, if you follow me on Twitter or Tubbs at the Club. From Pete Isaacson on Twitter, we can bring cowbells there we go. into the Kibbe Dome. <laughs> so, for football and soccer. So, y'all break out your cowbells for mm-hmm. homecoming this weekend. Let's make it loud. Yeah, and I don't know if you've heard a, uh, a little bit on the broadcast this weekend, but that's what they were handing out in Bozeman at Montana State for their homecoming game was cowbells. And you you could really hear them over the broadcast on Ridge Sports. So yeah, there, has, there had to be a little bit of a difference maker, especially we ended up with a loss 23-24. to 24. In snowy Bozeman, it, it looked like. I mean, it looked like it was it was fun there. But uh, tell us a little bit about what you saw. Yeah, uh, so snow totally came in overnight. Um, when I, I arrived at like twelve thirty Friday night, it was probably still fifty degrees out. Mm-hmm. You could walk. I was walking down the street with just a long sleeve shirt and a vest, and sure enough, we wake up like six inches mm-hmm. and uh, cold. 
Yeah. It, it, it was fun. It was fun. Um, I guess we'll, we'll, let's talk about the game, and then maybe I'll I'll cover some. Yeah. Bozeman. Yeah. I mean, it, it really it looked like a different team that we've seen all season. Is yeah. is this team that was in Bozeman? Um, they it really seemed like. The scheme that they've been trying to get at with Mason Petrino was clicking and and it on all cylinders too. Um, not only using that read option got Isaiah Saunders a lot of good looks, but you know it opened up other short passes for Cotton and Unger and, and really gave us a chance to put us in a good position for um, to score, um, but also you know eat up some clock. It seemed like it was a game that went by pretty quick. And yeah. Yeah, uh, didn't feel quick for me, but that's because I was freezing my my tail off. Um, but yeah, so th- this game interesting. I I do have issues when just reading the stat sheet alone. Um, before I go into what I saw, Mason Petrino twenty one for thirty five. There's no reason we should have thrown the ball thirty five times. We also didn't even attempt to pass over twenty yards. So if you're gonna throw it thirty five times, I, I just don't understand why we didn't take a single shot downfield. When the other team has a linebacker playing quarterback, and they mm-hmm. took multiple shots downfield. Now, they didn't connect on all of them because, man, Troy Anderson cannot throw the football. <laughs> um, it was evident. <laughs> hot take Nate was right last week. They needed Tucker Rovig to play, but uh, he broke his foot, and he'll be gone for the season. But, mm-hmm. yeah, but he's a threat in other ways. As obviously, it showed, and the Bobcats squeaked out the one-point win. I don't know how many people remember my score prediction last week. But I was darn close. <laughs> yeah. In our own way, though. I had Idaho winning 28-27 on a Bobcat mixed extra point. Wow. I think I jinxed it. Yeah, that's freaky. So, that is freaky. Um, my bad, everybody. I'll, mm-hmm. I'll wear the L this week. That was that one's on me. But, you know, yeah, looking at the game, Isaiah Saunders was I – mean, I had Bobcat people turn around and telling me, like, that guy is an FBS back. He's mm-hmm. big. He's physical. And the way the conditions were, I just don't understand why we weren't running with him more. And then with Tyrese Walker, I feel like his production could have been better too. They did a lot of try to outside runs with him, and Montana State had very athletic linebackers. Yeah. It was obvious in the fact how they're tracking him down, where I know we needed that threat to the outside occasionally. But, man, Isaiah Saunders only having 82 yards is not good. And especially when I was reading all Vandals, because I'm a glutton for punishment and I went back and reread both Bobcat Nation and all Vandals game threads because I like to see how people's emotions change during the game. Yeah. Montana State, all complimentary things. And it's funny that I saw one post that was almost exact same from one Bobcat fan and one Vandal fan. They both said Isaiah Saunders should finish closer to 200 yards than he does 100 yards this week. And that was probably about mid-second quarter from what I was seeing. And the fact that he ended with 82 yards, it's just, in, in my opinion... That was that's probably why we might have lost this game. Yeah, and um, it's, the two touchdowns are nice, but it se- it seems like we have this kind of rotation thing that you know at, at the start of the season it was you know f- switching out these quarterbacks, seeing you know trying to give these guys different looks um, against the defense. But really, you know, you don't really want to stray away too far from from what's working for you. Um, it, you know, kind of like you pointed out, we didn't make a throw over twenty yards, nope. and that, that's not, because not even we, attempt. it's not, because. Not just, 
didn't complete. We didn't attempt a throw. Yeah, and that's because we didn't rotate a quarterback in who would be throwing the ball 20 yards. Yeah. You know, maybe it's kind of the same way Petrino's going with Ty and Isaiah is that, you know, we really want Ty to take that outside edge, show him that look, and have Isaiah do the read option or run inside, but maybe that'll become predictable. When, when you look at time of possession, Idaho won with 37 minutes compared to Montana State's 21. Mm-hmm. So we definitely possess the ball. And a lot of that was we had big, long drives when we scored. We didn't yeah. score a lot on a lot of short field. It was us getting the ball, marching down. And I will say um, we completed nine out of our 18 third down conversions. And at one point I turned around <laughs> during the game and I was like, I don't want to jinx it, but this might be our best third down performance I can ever remember. Yeah. To, to that fact, Montana State, we found ourselves in a lot. We had 18 of them. Montana State went 4 of 12. They have 33%. Um, the, the difference being all their plays seem to be big strikes. Yeah. Uh, Troy Anderson scored on a 35-yard touchdown run and a 60-yard touchdown run, one of which was just broken down play that he took it all the way. And the one on the 35 one I think might have actually been a draw. And that tackle was just embarrassing. It was. I mean, I get it. You're, you're a big old DB, and you're, you're trying to tackle this big linebacker. You, you know, it's easy to get a little, a little frightened there and a little scared. But... Um, I, I don't know. I, I do have a lot of problems with this game. One of our biggest issues now for, I think it's two consecutive weeks, is the use of our timeouts. Yes. and We you... had used, I believe I heard this on the Bobcat one, we had used five of our six timeouts on the first possession of each drive. So once again, we used like all three of our timeouts in the first half on our first drive. I'm not sure on that. I, wasn't, I knew we burned them quick. I'm we not did. totally sure without watching it on route. Yeah. But... Then in the second half, the same thing. And a lot of that was Mason Petrino thought he was Peyton Frickin' Manning out there. Mm-hmm. I felt like every single play he was doing audibles and checking the line of scrimmage, which um, Jeff Choate said in his interview afterwards, it worked. He got him into a lot of good sets in the first half, but then they kind of adjusted in the second half and right. were able to shut that down. But that still just bothers me in the fact that you're taking a quarterback who's had – I trust him in the fact that I know his football IQ. So if there's someone I want to do a check, it's him. Right. But I remember one play we were sitting there, and I could tell he was checking to a draw. I could just tell from where I was sitting in the stadium. And I was sitting there, and the box was stacked. It was like third and three. And I was like, this is the one time we should not be running a run play. We're running it out of the shotgun where we should have just been lining up in an eye. But, and, and I think that was a lot of problem with using the timeouts was the fact that he was doing so much check with me. The play clock was running down because it was loud there. They announced attendance at over 19,000. Wow. I don't think there's that many in the seats Mm -hmm. because it was snowy and the back end zone was a little sparse. Uh, One of the bars in town had to give them all out beanies. Um, That was the giveaway. (laughs) That's generous. It was. Um, But I just think it was too much check with me in such a complicated game when we didn't know that. Well, I guess the public didn't know. Paul and Mason might have known uh, that Colton wasn't going to play this game. So... I thought that was a lot to throw on a quarterback who had been used to being in a switching system to then mm-hmm. literally having full reign of the offense in snowy conditions in Bozeman in a hostile environment on homecoming and try to have him communicate to linemen and everybody who are used to other another quarterback's cadence and everything. I just didn't think putting that much on Mason's shoulders was the right decision. That being said, I think he played it out all right. And I think he had a decent game compared to what I expect for him. He did exactly what he does, a little short completions, a lot of completion percentage. Yeah. But that pick that pick ruined his game. Had yeah. he not thrown that pick, had he finished zero touchdowns, zero interceptions, that's say, eh, game manager performance. He Alex Smith did, we we won the game. That pick right alone might have lost the game. 
yes, Cade Coffey's field missed extra point is, is a big one, and he had two muff punts. I don't know what was going on with Cade Coffey. He's from Rathdrum. I mean, it's not like it's warm there. He's used to kicking in cold, I would assume, but I, I'm not going to put this on Cade because I do think he's a consistent guy. It just you know happens every once in a while. It happens. Yeah. But, yeah, Mason, that was just, that was just a bad pick. I th- he, he just didn't see the guy right, o- right over the middle. Right. It was... He threw it right to the linebacker. I think a lot of the guys who, obviously, coach trusts with, with making those calls, especially at the line, would be Mason. I don't think he would give a lot of people that leeway. Um, I agree that, you know, there is is a a sense of overdoing it. Um, They're calling these plays to run for Mason. It's not like they're some, you know, strange out of the playbook or or out of the rocker play. Um, but, yeah, I, I completely agree that he doesn't need to make that many changes. Two, you're completely right about the timeouts. I believe they said that on the broadcast. I was, I think, but five minutes off the clock in the first quarter, and the first person I thought of when they called a timeout, I just pictured your hands on your head going, we always do this. There's a guy behind <laughs> us that literally would not let them leave it the whole game. Yeah. He's going, I bet you sure wish you had a timeout right yeah. now. So it wasn't just, we knew and in the stands. And that's something, you know, that every fan can look at and say, well, you know, that's a little strange. We shouldn't be doing that. But I, I think our confidence, especially for what we've been, you know, handled this year, our confidence in what we look like this game was a big step up for, for the Vandals. Yeah, and I'll say the wide receivers had a really good yeah. game. Mm-hmm. And the fact that not that any of their stats are necessarily jump off the page at you other than maybe Unger's, mm-hmm. but the fact that, Mason could not seem to stay in the pocket. He seemed nervous the entire time. He was just jittery-footed, wouldn't climb up in the pocket, always rolled out to his outside, and had a dodgy DN coming off the tackles. But the wide receivers did a really good job of making their way back to the ball. Yeah. Jeff Cotton had that one bad drop and then came back to catch the you know very next play, third down and like 15 conversion. We had, we had a lot of long third down conversions too, mm-hmm. which was rare. But it was all Mason – getting nervous and scrambling, and then the wide receiver's working their way back to the ball, which preferably the play would run right to the sticks and you could hit a guy on his route, but I don't know if Mason can't see over the line, or like I said, he's just too jittery and he won't step up into the pocket. Mm -hmm. And there was one play where he could have easily ran um, and gotten some yards, but he threw it, and then he did that one weird pitch play, which could have been stinking disastrous, and it only got us like one yard. And... It does look like the the two gloves might have worked a little bit this weekend. Yeah. All I'm saying <laughs> is if that was Chad Chalich or Matt Linehan or Colton Richardson, they would have had an earful, and Coach Petrino would have looked like we were still playing in the South. He would have been so hot. Mm-hmm. He just, I just don't feel like – and maybe it's because he knows his son better, but he doesn't coach him like that. I never saw him get overly yelling at Mason. You could see visible frustration on the sideline, but I just remember games where I would see Chad Chalich coming off the field, and it was just – your hole. Yeah. Same with Matt Winahan. And so it, it, wasn't it, just challenge, it is but. different. It's a different, definitely a different team, different year, different conference. And I, you know, there is probably some backlying story, but you, I, you know, you still got to support his decisions and what he's going with. And I honestly, I think he put the right guy out there for this game. I and, know. I think if we had Colton, we would have won. Yeah. <laughs> I think we would have won by probably twenty. I think the fact that if we were able to run the ball that well. With them obviously not having to even guard the deep pass because they just knew it wasn't coming. If we had that extra threat of Colton Richardson to Jeff Cotton on a long catch or David Unger or anybody, anything over 20 yards, they would have been able to stack the wouldn't have been able to stack the box as much, which would have helped our running game out. 
or led to one play-action deep pass, which would have been the game-stealer in this, and I think we would have hit on one or two of them. Speaking of, they had a Montana State had a linebacker throwing the ball that literally went downfield five times and completed two of them. All of his yards, uh, Troy Anderson's, came on two passes. Troy Anderson... Uh, so what? Troy Anderson went 11 for 21, 91 yards. Nothing impressive, but about 70 of those yards were probably on two passes. Much the rest of it was screens, and man, he missed some screens. He is not—he's just not a good quarterback. Troy Anderson. I, I mean, I guess he is. He won. He's Tim Tebow. The fact on that is, he had 14 carries for 159 yards and two touchdowns. He was averaging 11.4 yards a carry at a quarterback. Michael Vick didn't even do that. Or Marcus Martin, name a scramble quarterback that had 11.4 yards average and had played quarterback in five games. And I, I will be surprised if anybody finds me one. Because that is, I mean, that's nuts. That's insane. It's bonkers. But the quarterback we are going with from here on out will be Mason. I don't think so. <laughs> I mean. <laughs> How do you put him in after that game? That was a winnable game. We should have won that game. You're, gonna all, you're just going to blame it all on him. I'm not going to blame it all on him, but I'm just saying if we had another quarterback in, we probably would have not come down to a missed extra point. Just because of a, a throw that's longer than 20 yeah, yards? If, or if everybody knows a, that you're not going to throw the deep ball, you can just stack all sti- your safeties. But they still move the ball down the field and created opportunities to score. Well, not and every team's going to have as bad of a run defense as Montana State did. Right. Isaiah Saunders isn't going to be able to have four yards to carry against everybody. It, it, you know, it's, they knew what they were doing, and the fact that they, their safeties can't be very good, when, and their corners compared to ours, and look how bad they were getting torched. Like, think about every team that smoked us. They've thrown the ball. Having the deep threat opens it up. That's well, why James They Madison just know how to pick on our defense, though, which has true, seemed to be kind the, of a, a sore spot. You, you are not going to win a game if you don't have a deep threat. Like, that's just fact. The fact that Montana State has a deep threat with a guy who doesn't even play quarterback even is ridiculous. If it's, you know, pouring rain, it's it's snoring, snowing three feet outside, you would still want to throw it 50 yards every every series, every well, down? No, but I would, if we're going to throw the ball 35 times, I think there should be at least one attempt that's better than 20 yards. I don't think if you're going to throw the ball 35 times and you're not going to take a single shot downfield... That makes you incredibly predictable. Incredibly predictable. Well, that's my. There's, there's. We're his. not gonna win if you have no deep threat. No team does that. Well, we might be the only. I just no. And you can't climb the pocket. There's no, well, no, hundred no. Mason is not the answer. Instead of uh, ragging on players, who would be your club card player of the game? Um, probably Caden Ellis. There you go. Uh, Jeff Choate said it himself. That Caden Ellis was incredibly disruptive and ruined a lot of their stuff early and literally gave credit to him being the reason they couldn't get anything going in the first half. Was he, between tipping, tipping passes, holding the edge, everything Caden did, he literally said the stats might not show it, but he was just disruptive. So I'll give it to Caden. Speaking of, the coach literally came out and said he might be the best athlete to ever play in the big sky. And then before he even covered the game, said... Caden Ellis is as advertised. So if Jeff Choate, before he even talked about the game, had one player on his mind, I'm giving it to Caden Ellis. 
Uh, yeah, I'm going to go with uh, David Unger on this one um, because he was in the, you know, the right spots at the right time. Uh, like you said earlier, he, 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 was, pushed overtime. he was coming back to the ball, um, you know, set up that, that reverse, which, you know, put him in the right position to, to get that win. But, you know, I, I think him and Mason are really clicking and on the right level for both what, what they can do capability-wise. They're, they're not the receiver that, you know, you think is going to, you know, hail Mary it down the field every single time. And I think, I think the way that they're playing is, is perfect for them. And I think it's going to end up being fruitful and win some games for us. Uh, what and, game are we going to win? And I think David Unger is my club card player of the week. I'm curious. On to this no, week. No, no, no. you got to defend that because people are going to come at us at that. How do you – Mason Petrino has not won us a game yet. I guess he Portland State. But that was also only a 13-point lead against one of the worst teams in the conference. In Western New Mexico. That's a Division three team. Well, I don't, it, it, it's not up to and us. To, we're not, here, we're not here to make changes about the starting lineup. I'm just saying that... Well, th- Colton only didn't play because of concussion protocol. Okay, so what is it? I mean, do we need to change our punter, too, since Kate Coffey dropped him off those kicks? Or no, but there's that- no way... Have you looked at the season stats for Mason Petrino? Yeah, uh, but we have to... Who has a higher quarterback rating right now? We have to continue with somebody. Like, we can't... He's averaging more yards per throw. Colton didn't fucking play this week, though. That's the thing. Yeah, we would have won had he played. Okay, well, we can't go back and change it now. So, on to the next game, which apparently Jeff, or Colton Richardson is starting. Hopefully. Coach Coach Hammond wants... wants, It's not just me. Everybody wants Colton Richardson playing. Kickoff starts at 2 p.m. Uh, Pacific Standard Time or 3 p.m. General Mountain, if you're Chris Hammond. Uh, broadcasted on Pluto TV or the WSX, which means I believe Austin Rico will be on the broadcast. He will. Yeah, and um, we are at home against the Thunderbirds of Southern Utah. Cedar City. Yeah, and a little bit about Southern Utah. The Thunderbirds are coming off their First victory, a 48-27 to victory against Sacramento State. Uh, Southern Utah claimed the 2017 Big Sky Championship and advanced to the FCF's playoffs for the second time in three years. Um, yeah, they have some, some history behind them recently as, as a really good team, but have kind of struggled this season. Um, how do you think the Vandals are looking against the Thunderbirds this weekend? I'm cautiously nervous about this one. Uh, speaking of the Thunderbirds, won the Big Sky last year, and I think they've just had a weird start to this year. Um, I, you know, I feel like they're not as bad as their record shows, which is what scares me. Um, they lost to a North Alabama team, which turned out to be pretty good, held tight. Uh, they only lost by four, and North Alabama held tight against North Dakota State. Um, they, they've, uh, their season's kind of died down since then. Then they lost Oregon State. They lost Arizona. That was tough. Then they lost to Northern Arizona, who's very middle of the road. Um, then they got smoked by Eastern Washington, and then they beat Sac State pretty impressively at home. So I think their schedule's deceiving because they played some tough teams. And anytime you play two Pac-12 schools, uh, they're going to have a real shot at us. I'm not, I'm not going to lie to anybody here. Um, yeah, I think it's going to be kind of a sneaky team that we're not – Quite expecting to make the game as close as as, as everyone thinks it is. Uh, I think a lot of Vandal fans are coming in saying it's our homecoming weekend. You know, our record in the past for homecoming has always been, you know, pretty good. Even even with the low seasons, that we you know come out with a win. But I don't think we should take this team 
any lighter than we will or have. They're not. For, they better not take anybody light right now. They're people around the Big Sky right now are literally laughing at Idaho. That, if you go on FCS Fans Nation, everybody's going just laughing at us, poking fun at us. You go on Bobcat Nation, you go on E-Grizz. But w- this isn't a different situation from from any other, you know, off-season that we've had. You know, I, yeah. we, we shouldn't look at who's laughing at us. We should look at who we have on the schedule and get ready for them. As in, you know, Southern Utah's coming in and, you know, they haven't had the best season. And we could, you know, we definitely have the talent and, and you know, players to... You know, pull out a big win against them. I, I think that's how we should look at this game. I, I really liked how you know our confidence showed up this week after coming off a loss as bad as we did with Idaho State. If we come out and get a quick start like we did this weekend, and then uh, keep it up against Southern Utah, I think there's going to be a lot of happy Vandal fans in Moscow uh, for the game. Yeah, I mean, I I hope we can pull out a win. Um, I, I we should have a shot. We're pretty evenly matched with these guys, like we were Montana State. Uh, difference is these guys have two quarterbacks, um, both with more yards than Mason Petrino. Your favorite, your fer- your favorite one, system. One has played four games, has a thousand and eleven yards. The other one has played three games and has five hundred and eighty-eight. Both of which are more than Mason Petrino, who's played in six. So, but rushing yards as well. <laughs> yeah, but rushing yards, they probably as a team have eight hundred, nine hundred. So they're pushing a thousand as a team. So they're they're actually a surprisingly balanced offense, like most offenses in the league. <laughs> but um, yeah, uh, you know, no one stands out to me on their team. There's no one that just jumps off the page. It's going to be someone that's absolutely going to wreck you. They seem to be a very standard team. They they line up and they have their guys. They have their starting wide receivers. They have their starting running backs. Looks like they like to do a little bit of fly sweep. Uh, they got a lot of guys that have touched the ball and gotten some rushing yards. They got a lot of guys that have touched the ball and gotten some receiving yards. But in general, it's usually one or two guys at the top on the rushing. I think JJ Jr. What's his name? Jay Green Jr. Mm-hmm. And then wide receiver. Uh, their big guys are Meesum, Rutledge, and Hill, all of which have double-digit receptions. Uh, only one of them has a touchdown in Rutledge, but they're all averaging about twenty-five or above twenty-six yards a game. Um, two of them are in the 50s. So, I mean, it's just they spread the ball out. The next guy behind them, five games, 29.4. So, they, they, they're balanced. They spread it out. And, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll see how that works for us. Yeah. Our secondary has not looked super stellar. Yes. And, and pass-heavy teams. These guys have over 200 attempts passing. Um, so, they're, they're going to throw the ball, too. And I think that's going to be my big key to the key to the game is don't let up the big plays to these guys and it, yeah. it's and not i mean not only passing but even running letting um you know the quarterback last week you know dodge right through us and get to the end zone but you know don't you can't give up these big plays and then let them score on it and and if you do get it back you know um our defense has the athletes, and we have the talent. We just need to, you know, get it in our heads that we can stop these guys and, and you know, pull out a win in Moscow. Yeah, and I know it's a little early for hot takes, uh, but it's kind of reviews back to the last game, too. Man, David Unger looked like he was going to house last weekend. Mm-hmm. Like, it, he had a couple that looked like he was just one block away from breaking it. And I don't think Southern Utah is going to have the special teams that Montana State had. I, I think there's a chance he gets one this week. 
Um, I've said that in the game preview section, as in I think that could be a major game changer, not necessarily a hot take. I, I don't know. I just feel like he's going to have it. Just like I had a weird feeling last week about that game, I just thought it was good. So, God, maybe I just jinxed this and they're going to run one back on us. But uh, if so, I'm done having weird feelings about games. So your score prediction for the game? Uh, 38-17 Idaho. There you go. I'm going to go a little bit lower, and I'm going to go 21-16 Idaho. And just for a little homecoming tidbits as we sneak it in there, uh, Vandal Legend and Pro Hall of Famer, Jerry Kramer will be leading um, the with the Grand Marshal of the 110th Annual U of I Homecoming Parade. Uh, Kramer will also be at midfield for the coin toss for the kickoff on Sunday. And uh, yeah, that's awesome for the Sandpoint native. I'm, I'm, exci- I'm excited to see him up there. Yeah, um, definitely. Home- <laughs> Homecoming's always a blast. Mm-hmm. And it's even more of a blast. We're going to tie this into our hashtag AskTAT section that's also going to have a bit Way to roll of on conversation. Game day is going to be eight miles over in Polberg. I know Eastern is planning on having some people there. So Idaho better be over there too. We could have two FCS schools. I'm sure it happens more on the East Coast. We have two noticeable, brand-recognizable FCS schools that are going to be on game day this weekend if we get enough stuff. I know Martin is organizing a meet together, so keep posted on Twitter to see what Martin's got planned. Um, I think we're going to make a bunch of signs. We're going to hand them out to everybody, and we should have two to three flags as well. So try to find myself or Martin, and we're going to try to get a big crew over there. And, you know, if, if you need to ride back, hit me up, and I'll drive you back. Car will be dropping off right. We'll probably leave right at 9 when this show ends. And uh, we'll be dropping off at the corner club because it's homecoming, and then we get a ride right in the homecoming. So, TJ, our hashtag AskTATC that we asked the fans this week was, what sign would you bring to game day on Saturday? You went eight miles too far. Got tw- Oh, we had 194 votes, by the way. Almost our first 200. Had 29% of the vote. Lee Corso put on Joe. Had 6% of the vote. Corner Club is greater than the Coog, had 56% of the vote. And Joe Vandal is greater than Puddles, which is greater than Butch, had 9% of the vote. Which one of those would you have voted for? Oh. Um, see, I'm a Coog at heart. I would have gone I would have gone plan E. I would probably have gone my own. I would have done something for WSU. I think they should highlight what I think they should highlight for Ask TATC is, I don't know if you guys remember last year when they played USC and they scored that touchdown and the guy jumped out of the crim zone. No. Really? He pulled down his pants and showed the whole national TV that, you know, they scored a touchdown. I think it should be the crim zone, either the crim zone leap or the out of the crim zone leap and put that up there. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm all for, uh, hyping up WSU for this weekend. This is huge for Pullman and, uh, I'm excited it's there. Well, on the official unofficial podcast of the Idaho Vandals, um, we're going to come up with some Vandal signs to bring over there because, uh, if you watch game day, it's not always the schools that are there. There was a Weber state flag on last weekend and they were in Michigan. So 
and the other WSU. And the fact that yeah, and the fact that so WSU, maybe they get allowed the to send that, it there. You know, the Cougs are at last every time I, single other location. Last time, week. last time I was there at College Game Day at Boise, I brought two different signs, and they both got denied. So I, I'm. Well, it can't be insulting or derogatory. There you go. <laughs> For future references. Anyways, I made all these off the top of my head. Uh, We did get some fan suggestion ones. Wax Sparty Pants had FCS standing for Fire Chuck Staben, Save Vandal Football. Um, One picture by Martin (laughs) have a picture of Chuck Staben saying moving forward. Martin also had one that said, The liquor stores in Moscow, thank you for your support. Joseph Vandal at Vandal Voice said, Who do we hate? Question mark, exclamation point, Boise State. And da, 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 da. Wax Party Pants had Send Spuddy Buddy. Don't know what that one was. And then one person wanted it. Martin again wanted a blown up picture of the King Spud. So, uh. Which I'm still not sure about. <laughs> yeah, well, no, we, we finally figured it out. But those are some suggestions. I'm thinking I'm going to do Lee Corsa with a Photoshop Joe Vandal, but, but we'll see. I'm making a bunch of them, so uh, try to try to find us, and we'll, uh, you know, we'll we'll take it from there. Anyways, it's on the hashtag STATC, the actual part of hashtag STATC, and we always start with Brian, so let's start with Taylor Cash. Hey, what are some things you'd like to see done to improve the atmosphere in the Kibbe Dome? Bozeman was pretty loud, and the PA announcer and music really got the crowd grow- going. Hashtag AskTATC. Hashtag more cowbells. Yeah, I mean, they have to do something. They've tried in the past to do handouts with signs and towels. Um, I really like the cowbell idea. Or just, you know, p- picking a section and doing color. Uh, that, you know, seemed to work for that junior college down at the bottom of the state for, you know, at least a couple of years. Um, hand out a t-shirt, do a gold out, do it, do it, do a silver out. Um, I think it's gotta be something to incentivize the students to go and stay as well. But that's like a one game fix. I think he's saying just in general. And like I said, being in there, Montana state does a stand up job with their stuff. Their, their parking lot's a little bit more organized than ours. I'm not going to lie. Their tailgating scene, not quite as rowdy, but a little bit more organized, but their stadium, he, he, I mean, he nailed it. Their PA announcer knows exactly how to get the fans going at the right time. And unlike when we do, like, giveaways, like our pizza giveaway and stuff, where I feel like it's very corny and more just like, I don't know. I I get what he's saying now that I was there, and I guess this might be hard for people that weren't. But if you think that every other sporting event you go to, how the fan stuff's really fun and enjoyable, like the Kiss Cam and the Simba Cam, and I don't know, Idaho, it always feels just kind of tacky. I don't know if that's maybe part of that is reason you get people in the stadium. It always looks weird when there's no one around when someone's holding up their kid. Or But, no, they, their PA announcer did a really good job of getting people going. And one thing I love that I've always said they should do is when you're outside the stadium at halftime and before the game, they ring a giant siren and say, that's your signal that there's two minutes till kickoff to get people back in. I've always said they should put speakers on the outside of the dome and in the poles in the parking lot that played the broadcast on the radio. But maybe for you know to get people in, have it shut off like five minutes into the game. That yeah. way you can't just sit outside and listen. But with us having a dome, it holds the sound in really well. Where some people don't realize how quick halftime goes, and that's why they just never make it back in. Where there, you literally got outside. I had time to go use the restroom 
couldn't even finish my whole beer, and they rang that siren, and most of the people pushed right back in the stadium in the snow. Yeah, I think it's a good idea for, I mean, you know, the alumni and the parents, are good. they want to go in, and they're going to go in. I think a lot of it is trying to get the students involved with the games. There's not... I think as, the students stay more involved. I think a lot of the I don't think there's a lot of participation. Yeah. If you go look in the, uh, the tailgates during the game, not before or after, well, I think I a lot of this... obvious is, issue is getting people in from the park. Yes, like exactly. somebody nailed it on all vandals. They said there will be sixteen thousand people at the game this weekend in the parking lot. Exactly, maybe only nine thousand make the way. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, so the people are there. It's getting them inside, and that's why I think a siren or something, or the radio broadcast, we run back to opening kickoff, gets people excited, and they go mm-hmm. in and then cut it. But yo, know, we got to raise money. You got to donate to the VSF, and you know, talk to Pete Isaacson in the athletic department if you want stuff like that to happen. But I agree with you, Taylor Cash at Idaho Grown T Cash. They did a really good job at Montana State of keeping the atmosphere up. Even when they were down by 13 points, those guys, people stayed there, and they, they're having a really, really good time. All right. Brian Marceau. Is there a case to say the quarterback situation is something other than nepotism? I don't say that lightly. I've tried talking around it until now. Hashtag AskTATC. I personally think I think there's now you're gonna have to defend this because I'm I just think against. there's I think there's a lot of things that we cannot control um, about this quarterback situation this in this season and I'm not gonna let this bog me down about about what's going on and I know you have well, wouldn't su- that be the answer that the answer is nepotism we can't control it no I, I refuses to change it I think a lot of it is politics with what's going on you know behind the scenes and how he wants to run his team and I think a lot of it is you know, decided by the coaching, but I just, I, I really, I, I'm going to go with what he decides. I'm not going to try and argue with it. Um, I, you know, there are questionable calls. There's going to be questionable plays, but it's who, who he wants to put on the field is I'm going to, is who I'm going to support. Well, you know, so I know there are people out there that will be happy. You're digging in your heels. I just, you know, someone's going to be glad. I just, I, man, I'm going full. It's nepotism. Uh, Southern Utah scored, over 40 versus Sac State. We haven't cleared 28 yet this season. Uh, we, I think we did against Western New Mexico. But we haven't cleared 28 yet. Are we ready for a dogfight for a, a two-league win? Is this a must-win in terms of salvaging support? Hashtag AskTATC. Uh, yeah. I, I'm honestly not convinced you can salvage support at this point. I think people that go to homecoming are going to go to homecoming because it's what you do when you're vandal. People are happy to go back to homecoming even in our one-win years. Uh, the problem with this, I don't know if you win, whether it increases any butts in seats to the North Dakota game. I think the way this season went, I think our season went down with that Montana State ship. I did look it up. We're not mathematically out of the playoffs. We would need a couple teams to beat a couple other teams. Uh, we would need to literally win out, including Florida. And we'd still be a bubble team. So we, we do have Eastern. We do have Montana. We have North Dakota. They're both – they're all bubble or in the playoffs right now. So, like I said, we, we roll off. We beat Southern Utah, beat those three teams, and beat Florida. Um, we're still sitting there 7-4 at the end of the year. You know, there's a shot. There, there's definitely still a shot. But, yeah, with losses to Idaho State, UC Davis, you need those two to make the playoffs. You need Montana State this week in the playoffs. You need Eastern to only lose to us and a bunch of other just man Weaver. I don't. I don't think we're going to end up bids out of the Big Sky to salvage it. So yeah, I, I, I'm. I'm not convinced 
anything we do at this point will salvage it. People are going to go to Montana are going to go to Montana. The people are going to homecoming are going to go to homecoming. The people are going to Eastern are going to go to Eastern. That North Dakota game, the only other home game, you're going to get zero more support, win or lose this game, in my opinion. Do you have anything? Nope. You hit it. Um, at Tubbs of the Club, from Brian Marceau, few vandals are making the case that the move to the big sky was the right one. Considering our current struggle, some people on the pod aren't huge fans of the move. Can you make a defense of the FCS? Football in spite of our struggles. Hashtag AskTATC. He supports it 100%. Yeah. <clears throat> I mean, I like it. I, obviously, with where the, where the season's going, it's not what everyone has envisioned. But it's pretty cool how even with the rest of our schedule, I mean, you know people are still getting excited for these games. Um, it's obviously, um, it's like you said, we're, we're not mathematically out of the equation, but it, it's a pretty far shot. But we still, for the rest of the season, get to play these local rivalries, which people can get up and get excited for and want to go watch. And it'll still, you know, fill up the stands to go and watch Eastern and, and Montana at home for the little Brownstein. Um, I, you know, maybe it's me just not being as negative about the loss, kind of seeing the, the lighter side of things. But um, I still like kind of being in the big sky this season. It is kind of a, a letdown for how we're playing against some of these teams that we thought we would have a better shot against. But it's it's still making it fun. There's still these rivalries that are nearby, and they're years to come. And I think once we get these, you know, this this kind of rotation of big sky players who are vandals, I think it'll be a lot more exciting and, and fun for the future. All right. So Brian Marceau tweeted me a really, really long one. Um, this is going to be the last one. So everyone hang in there if it talks too much. I guess I'll cut it, but if you're still listening to this, we're going. This is a hashtag AskTAC that I don't know how to put in one tweet. And you kind of touched on it in the podcast last week, but I think it's an interesting topic, way to approach the football team this year. In the three years Idaho qualified for a bowl as an FBS member, we had a total of five wins against teams who finished with above a 500 record. Three of those wins came again came in a bowl game itself. The 1998 team had one of those regular season wins versus Boise State. The 2009 team had the other against Northern Illinois. The 2006 team had zero wins against teams above 500 before the Colorado State game. In short, we could have a successful season without being, beating a single good or okay team until our bowl game. This is not the case anymore. For us to make the playoffs, we'll need to beat maybe four teams between now and the end of the year who will finish above 500. Eastern Washington and Montana, as well as Montana State and Idaho State, never mind the Southern Utah could be okay. While having a poor record, they have a murderous schedule this year. Only two games total you might call gimmies. How should this impact a Vandal fan's understanding of success this season? Should it? Or should it adjust our game-to-game thinking? Is that... We in that we really very well may play more teams that expect to finish over 500 than we have in a long time, and it might adjust how we feel moving game to game. But it should adjust how an ult, how an ultimately successful season is competing for and earning a playoff spot. I have said this. Uh, I I miss the bowl games right now. You know we could still have something to fight for. And I, like I said, we still do. We, we got to come out and win. If we lose Southern Utah, then the season's officially, officially over. But, yeah, it's – what? put it 
this way. For everyone that's really down in the dumps on Idaho right now, obviously we're still chipper. We're still making these. We lost to UC Davis, who right now is a top 10 team, won a, you know, a lot, played a FBS top 10 team really, really close. We played Idaho State, who just lost to that team in overtime, and it should be a top 25 team, but there's a little East Coast bias in the polls. Two of the biggest surprises in the F- in the whole FCS this year, let alone the Big Sky. Then we played Portland State, which looked like a team that you know wasn't very good, but has gone on to win two in a row, beating Montana State or Montana, uh, and only losing to us in Montana State, who turned out to be pretty good, which should give us hope against Montana, who also dropped a huge blowout to North Dakota, who we have in a few weeks. So that will go a long way to say something about our season. And we just lost to Montana State who I think if Tucker Rovig was playing, is a playoff-caliber team. And I think with Troy Anderson at quarterback, they still may make the playoffs. So our only three in-conference losses are to possible playoff teams from the big sky. So, yes, we need to expect that we might not win some of these toss-up games like Montana State anymore because we have more of them. And then you look at Fresno State has a shot to win the Mountain West this year. Our losses are not like we've lost to bad teams. Some of them might have looked like it at the time against UC Davis and Idaho State, and even how bad we lost to Fresno. But the fact is, those teams are rolling right now. And so, yeah, it stinks that we lost. And, you know, once again, like I said last week with Nate, when you beat Idaho, you seem to become a contender. Montana State's getting some love in the playoff brackets right now. For whatever reason this year, we're a good measuring stick for people, and we've just not been able to measure them down. We've measured them up. So, yeah, I, I think and you get a little bit more used to the fact that you look at Montana who came out to a hot start everyone was ready to crown them Big Sky champs and now they're sitting here with two straight losses so that's kind of the fun part of the Big Sky Welcome to the Big Sky (laughs) And it comes down to the unbalanced schedule that yeah, some years we could play you know, Cal Poly, North Carolina or North Carolina, North Colorado and you know, we could play what are considered the bottom four teams, which it looked like we were going to have this year with UC Davis and Idaho State, but you know, not everybody plays everybody, so some teams are going to look better than some. And for us, yeah, we might, at the end of the year, you might look back and say, Idaho had the toughest Big Sky schedule this year. So it's unfortunate it was our first year. But, yeah, it's uh, it, it's going to take some learning for the people. In the, and unfortunately, this year is a, a tough way to learn it because we're not winning a lot of the, the toss-ups or the games against competitively good teams. And do you have any thoughts on that? No, I mean, it kind of just goes back. If you go, listen to our, what, week two or one, where we do our, our FCS preview, and we kind of go through the schedule, and we're just like, oh, you know, we're playing Idaho State. We're playing Montana State. We're playing all these teams. And we're like, you yeah, know, we should beat them. It kind of just goes to show that, you know, this is not a this is not a, a league that we're just going to come into and, you know, be able to win, which, you know, is, is tough to swallow the first year, but it makes it even more exciting when we get the right guys in and the right system where we're, you know, have a good chance to, you know, make the tournament. Yeah. Um, yeah. And Brian, once again, thanks for your question. Yeah. Thank you. Taylor, for the question. I know it's hard. But I've noticed last week's podcast was one of the worst listened to because I think a lot of people were a little upset with the, how, how the Idaho State game um, played out, but you know, hopefully Montana State. I'm like I said, I think that's a playoff team. I think we played well. It's unfortunate the way it went down, but yeah, and like I said, I think it would have been different with a different quarterback. So I'm not totally against how how that game turned out, but um, yeah, I I think we're gonna have to redefine how success is, and we can't expect to win 
every game. That being said, this year should have been different. I mean, we, we didn't lose a lot of players. We lost one main linebacker. But it's not where we are now. It, and so it, it's time to move on. And with that, we're going to move on to watching the TV. TJ, do you have a game of the week? Well, my game of the week is always the Idaho Vandals. <laughs> That's for sure. Um, and yeah, I, I, I and I had I hate to say it. I know this is the official Vandal podcast, but I'm going to go Washington State versus Oregon College Game Day 4:30 PST. Um. So I'm a little bit more grounded here, and uh, I'm going to keep us in the FCS um, a little bit more around, even though. I mean, it's a big deal that game day is on the Palouse, so everybody should check that out. And, of course, you know, my brother's a duck. My whole family, other than him, is Cougs and Vandals, so I'll be pulling for the Cougs in that one. But I'm going Yale-Penn. Uh, that's going to be a classic Ivy League brawl. Penn's gotten I got a four-star quarterback to sign to their school. So, I mean, they got, they got some players, and Yale's consistently one of the best Ivy League schools. And the Ivy League's a lot better than people give them credit for. So, you know, I'm, I watched the, uh, the Yale-Penn game. Uh, but it's time for our FCS Fans Nation Pick'em. Mm-hmm. Last week I went 4-4. Four and four. TJ went 2-6. and six. So he's rearing and ready to go for a new week and hopefully better results. Hopefully. <laughs> so I'll go first, TJ, and maybe I can, I can give you some, some winners. How's that? Fire away. Campbell at Monmouth. Monmouth. Illinois State. Oh, I'm taking Campbell. Go uh, Hump Days. You said you were going first. That just yeah, that completely switched. Illinois State versus North Dakota State. I'm going North Dakota State. NDSU. Western Carolina versus Mercer. I'm going Mercer. Uh, Western Carolina. Rhode Island versus Stony Brook. I'm going the Rhodey Rams. Stony Brook. Montana State versus Weber State. Montana State. I if they had Rovig or Bauman was playing, I'd take Montana State. But Weber State just beat Eastern. I think they also beat Montana State in um, Ogden. Lafayette versus Bucknell. I'm taking Bucknell. Lafayette. Uh, Yale versus Penn. I'm taking Penn. Yale. East Tennessee State versus Wofford. I'm taking Wofford. Wofford. That'll make for a good week for us. Hopefully. <laughs> um, you know, I'm just glad Chattanooga finally did not let me down. Yeah. Thanks, thanks, fun. Martin. Yeah, that was that was a long time coming. They, uh, man, I picked them. They're, they're never going to want me to visit them. I picked them four weeks in a row, and they only won once. Um, Idaho Vandals, Southern Utah, we already picked. We're taking Idaho. Idaho State at Liberty. Oh, uh, ISU. Here's where everything falls apart. Idaho State is good, but I, I stand by it. I think FBS programs, for the most part, are usually just better. And Liberty is a not very good program, mm-hmm. but I don't think Idaho State's ready for it. So I'll, I'll take Liberty. Northern Arizona versus Nor- Northern Colorado. I'll take Northern Arizona. I'm going to go back with the Golden Bears. And it, yeah, Northern Colorado. All right. Uh, first win of the season. They are seeking. They are home, though. So there you go. They usually get somebody at home a year, I believe. Mm-hmm. Uh, we already predicted Montana State versus Weber State. 
We've got UC Davis versus Cal Poly. Mm. The Aggies versus the Stangs. The Mustangs, UC Davis. That's the Aggies. Uh, uh, sorry, Aggies, UC Davis. Uh, yeah. uh, I'm going to the Aggies as well. North Dakota versus Sac State. They, uh, I was going to say that North Dakota. Yeah, I'm going Fighting Sue. Sorry, Buzz Buzz. I just, you know, you're not oh, Not today. Here. Not so fast, my friend. Uh, that's actually the sign I should use since I said it last week on the show. There you go. Lee Corso is my spirit animal. Listen to our podcast, Lee Corso. Or I should have a sign that switches. Have the first one and then it's like folds out and goes, not so fast, my friend. I, I hope I hope it says hashtag Tubs of the Club on the bottom. Yeah, I'm doing all of them. All the ones I'm handing out are going to have the Tubs of the Club. So look for that yeah, this so, weekend. So keep an eye out. <laughs> all right. End of the show, TJ. My shameless plug? Yeah. All what's right. Going, what's going on in your life? Um, uh, big weekend for all the vandals going uh, travel safe back to Moscow. Uh, I don't know if you saw the Corner Club's Instagram, um, but they actually have a Seattle Seahawks Seagal in town, a former Idaho Vandal alumni. Uh, Seagal Lisa will be, I don't know if you sign autographs or you're just there to stand there and be there where people buy drinks, but she'll be at the club on Friday night um, showing off her Seagal's calendar. So uh, if you like that, that is my shameless plug, and I hope it's a good one for all you listeners. Yeah, mine would be, uh, it's homecoming week, so I'm on my second game in a row for the Idaho Vandals. I will be driving over um, Friday night, and then I'm waking up early, I'm going to game day. Like I said, I'm bringing signs, I'm helping Martin lead the charge. I got a big old Joe Vandal flag, I'm going to be flying. So you can you can meet me and Martin there if you want to go. TJ will probably be there too, since I know you're going over for game day, but you might not recognize him, he'll be incognito cougar yeah i got chaptered out of that game so i won't be going but oh. i'll be there in spirit oh the vandal game will be more exciting anyway mm-hmm. um hi my yeah so i guess then after that it's eastern so mm-hmm. and uh tj actually found the bus thing that we posted on the twitter so oh yeah that's so cool I and mean, we were i think you know i just think someone out there was listening to us when we said there should be a shuttle that yeah, should take so us for- if you're a student Follow Tubs of the Club on Twitter, and you can find that picture. And there's a free ticket and free ride from the Bruce Pittman Center on Saturday over to Cheney for the game. So check that out. I want to thank you guys, as always, for giving us six less than 60 minutes of your week this week because we flew by because we took up so much last week. Yep. That uh, we just want to thank you guys for tuning in. You guys are seriously awesome. I got to meet uh, two or three of you guys, actually, at Bozeman, and it was really cool to hear – the positive yeah, feedback. Give, give us a Bozeman story. Yeah. Uh, uh, <laughs> Put you on the I spot. Mean, nothing a little was bit. too crazy. I mean, I went. <laughs> sure. Oh, the good news most bars have Rainier. Okay. <laughs> I only went to one bar that two bars didn't have it. Take one that. Bar didn't carry it, and one bar had ran out, and they have it in the bottles. So I was really surprised that Nate did not come up with any quicker answers, but I guess most people there probably just don't order it. Yeah, but, he's, not um, a, he's not a Rainier guy. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's a really cool town. If When we play them in Bozeman the next time around, everybody should try to go, man. Bozeman is it's a lot of fun. There's everything there you, you can eat from loungy whiskey wine bars to dumpy little dive bars like the Cat Paw. They've got gambling in all of them, so if, if that's your thing, um, it works. If hypothetically... I did do sports gambling, and hypothetically, I won a good chunk of money last Saturday. I hypothetically might have upgraded my hotel on Sunday to the nicest hotel on Bozeman. 
But that's all hypotheticals, of course. But uh, beautiful town. Um, every actually pretty good walking distance. I, I really enjoyed it. I almost didn't want to leave, but uh, then I looked it up, and it's a six-hour drive to the God's Country, man. I, I can't live that far away from Moscow. Hey, yeah, I guess yeah. not. <laughs> no, no good way to get back home. I can't watch my Vandals just one time a year, so uh, Bozeman just Bozeman won't happen for me. But thanks again for tuning in, you guys. We really, really, really do appreciate it. We hope we see you all this weekend, whether it be at game day, whether it be in the Kibbe Dome parking lot, whether it be in the game, or at the Corner Club, enjoying your 32 ounces of freedom. Uh, everyone have just a fantastic homecoming. We will see you guys next Thursday, 1025, for the Red Scare Game. Uh, we'll actually be probably picking a name next week. We'll see. Anyways, time for the best band in all the land. The Sound of Idaho, the play us out. TJ, can we get to go Vandals? Go Vandies. Go Vandals.